Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Tamarindo Podcast. Un podcast para ti. Y para mí. Tamarindo Podcast is your hosts. Luis Octavio. And Brenda Gonzalez. And we are your socially conscious talk show with a Latino vibe. We are amigos talking politics, food, music, and life. Welcome! Welcome, Tamarindo Podcast listeners. Uh, it's time for one of our mini-cast episodes. This is Brenda Gonzalez of Tamarindo Podcast. And I'm very excited today to introduce you to Rudy Espinosa. Rudy is the Executive Director of Leadership for Urban Renewal Network, or LEARN, and we're going to learn all about him. He's working to revitalize low-income urban areas, and we're going to ask him a whole bunch of questions and get to know his work, but he's here in, in Los Angeles, and, and he's here visiting with me to have this mini-chat conversation with you. Um, if you want to listen to our full episodes, I want to remind you that we launched the website, tamarindopodcast.com, and you can listen to all of our previous episodes. This is a mini-cast conversation with our friend, Rudy. So, Rudy, tell us about LEARN. Uh Brenda, thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, LEARN is a nonprofit community development organization. Um, it's based in Boyle Heights, just across the bridge from, from your studio here, but uh, we work all over Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. uh, we, our mission is to bring people together to design uh, ways for us to build sustainable communities that help people live their greatest potential. Um, we feel that a lot of the community development work uh, that we've used in the past in cities hasn't worked and has actually, at times, kind of kept things the same. And mm -hmm. we're frustrated that uh, a lot of uh, uh, the families that we work with in low-income neighborhoods are facing the same things. And so we're really committed to figuring out and designing new ways and innovating um, new solutions for to help these, these communities. Okay, so you focus on low-income communities. Um, what are the assets that you see in low-income communities? What are their strengths? People, of mm -hmm. course. Um, I think that... Uh, 
Yeah, there's a ton of assets. And I think that that's uh, really a, a piece of our approach in the work that we do is we always think about who lives there. Um, and we believe that the, the biggest asset in neighborhoods is the people that live there. Um, they have ideas. They, un they understand their neighborhood better than anybody else uh, uh, does. And because of that, any sort of uh, strategy to revitalize a neighborhood has to start with them, and they have to actually lead the charge. Oh, so what are some ways that you get um, communities involved in something like community development? Like, how do you bridge that, what community development strategies are and what everyday people are doing? Well, uh, LEARN uh, has three different divisions to the work that we do. We have an advocacy division um, that really cares about advancing policy that can help uh, low-income neighborhoods and revitalize neighborhoods in a responsible way. We have an economic development division that focuses on getting capital into these communities, many communities that have literally been stripped of resources for, uh, for, their, for, history, for their whole history. Mm -hmm. We really believe in figuring out how do we get it back in there. And then we have a third division that's a consulting practice where at times people hire our small team to work on research and strategic planning. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so that's like kind of a social enterprise and self-sustaining? Uh, well, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Getting there. But, um, but uh, on the policy and on the economic development side, uh, the, people, the people in these neighborhoods drive the work. Um, one of our highest profile initiatives is the LA Street Vendor Campaign, which, oh, is, a, cool. which is an effort that we've been working on with a, a lot of other great organizations for several years. And we're working to advance um, uh, a street vending policy in the city. Because here LA, in Los Angeles. Here in Los mm -hmm. Angeles. And unfortunately, Brenda, LA is one of the only major cities in the country that doesn't have a permit system for sidewalk vendors. Wow. And that means that uh, the folks that you see on the sidewalk are criminalized. Mm -hmm. um, so we've, uh, in partnership with organizations like ELAC, um, in the LA Food Policy Council and Public Council, mm -hmm. we've been working uh, alongside street vendors themselves to help develop a policy proposal that um, we believe the city council and the mayor should adopt. That's great. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I mean, I'm really excited about it because of in these, in these times, how important it is to remove barriers to immigration, such as be being criminalized mm -hmm. for doing something like you know, paletera, paletero manor, or yeah. lotes, or whatever it is that folks are doing in the in the um, to just to make a better living for themselves. So, um, have you? Is there extra energy around those efforts given the immigration implications? Has that has anything? Has that helped? drive this a little further the agency? sure so uh you know the le street vendor campaign has been together for uh, working together for at least four years on uh trying to legalize street vending and it's been a long journey uh the motion that first started this uh, legislative process uh, uh was introduced in 2013 oh, if you wow. can believe it so, so you guys have been at it for um, a long time it's been at it for a long time and it's been slow and at times it's picked up and then it slowed down again um, but, you know, to answer your question, there has been a little bit more excitement around this issue um, because of the current, um, you know, president. Mm -hmm. And uh, once he was elected in November, there, there certainly was a um, sort of an uptick in folks that wanted to get involved. And we got more uh, sort of interest from our elected officials to say, hey, we need to do this, mm -hmm. partly because one of the executive orders that the president signed uh, basically said that criminals are going to be deported. Mm -hmm. And at the time, uh, late last year and even early this year, street vendors were getting misdemeanors. They were subject to misdemeanors if they were caught on the street selling. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you get a misdemeanor, you are uh, obviously put, you're put in a different channel of criminalization mm -hmm. uh, and you're subject to arrest and deportation. Mm -hmm. So I think because of that, there was a lot of sort of momentum to like, hey, this is not cool. We shouldn't be arresting, you know, la, la taquera or the paletero and, mm -hmm. and throwing them in jail and then deporting them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not that's not what L.A. is. So where are you in that? And just I'm, 
I'm sorry to ask so much about this one, but sure. I'm just particularly excited about this this initiative. I mean, I think you all do a lot of different work, but about this initiative in particular, where are you in this in the strategy, or, or, or and is there um, a place where people can get involved? And Absolutely, there is, and we need people's help. So in February, there was two things that the city council voted on. The first one is they decriminalized street vending, and all that means is they they took away that misdemeanor penalty mm-hmm. that we just talked about. Um, so if a vendor, uh, it's uh, a vendor vending is still legal, and a vendor today can still get uh, an infraction. They could get a fine. They could mm. get a ticket. They so it's still even, illegal. You it's mean. still illegal. Okay. They could get their uh, equipment confiscated, which is happening still, and mm. even more so. Um, but they can't get a misdemeanor, which is good. So they did that. That was one thing that they did. The second thing is they said um, the city council said, you know what? Let's ask the city attorney, the chief legislative analyst, and the various departments in the city to draft an ordinance to legalize street vending, which would mean create the permit program. Mm-hmm. That has not has not moved yet. Oh, okay. So since they voted on it, they said, let's work on it, and they had delegated it to the appropriate people, and we haven't heard back yet. Mm-hmm. So what we need right now is that to move because folks are still being cited and their equipment is still being confiscated. So right now what we're um, advocating is that the city council committees begin scheduling this issue, and we're hoping it gets done this summer. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. Is there, like, for our listeners, is there any way that they can get involved or help shine light on this issue? Um, call your city council member if you live in the city of Los Angeles mm-hmm. and tell them that you care about this and you want to know what's going on. That's It's as simple as that. And unfortunately, um, people don't call their city council member. They may not even know who their city council member mm-hmm. is. So you should go to lacity.org, type in your address and see who it is, and call them. Mm-hmm. And it's as simple as that. And they do pay attention. Um, if you have the flexibility in your schedule to go down to City Hall, one of the city council meetings, anybody could give a two-minute public comment. You just sign up and you say, hey, thank you for allowing me to speak. I'm, I'm curious about street vending policy. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the status? You already put in the order to hear back and see a draft ordinance. Where is it? And we need people to ask those questions. And, um, well, great. Tell me more about the um, – I'm going to kind of – from there, jump back to engaging the community because now you've just described a very specific way that you can engage in this campaign. What are some of the ways that LEARN engages the street vendors and other members of the community to be involved in, in the civic process? Um, I think that that's, that's probably a really good example. I mean, another example that comes to mind that's not necessarily the civic process, Brenda, but um, is our loan fund. Um, so uh, the second division of our organization is really, it's called Learn Capital, and it's really focused on money, frankly, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how do we get resources to our neighborhoods. And so we've created two funds. One of them is a loan fund, and another one is an investment fund, where we're, we've created these programs to invest in our businesses. Um, so our loan fund is specifically designed to assist entrepreneurs like street vendors. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting because it's it's a little bit, we've They've taken models, uh, examples from other uh, amazing organizations that do lending, um, but we've adapted it to make to serve uh, street vendors, some of them that are undocumented, uh, some of them that may not have financial statements or may not sort of be at that point to mm-hmm. get capital. And throughout the process, we're really um, keen on making sure that we're asking them what they think. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So they've almost... Um, helped us design this program as 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 the program is helping them they're also helping us design it and make it better how what genius just ask them what they think well exactly no <laughs> i know and it's funny because even like one of our clients i could think of who is a street vendor and it's like well she's going through the process and i'm like you know what like this kind of sucks huh like what do you think how do we make it better and she's like oh you know what i see you're trying to get this type of information to be easier if you do it this way and i'm like that's brills like why don't we just do that all the mm-hmm. time you know and um that's really sort of the nature of our organization is um it was 
founded with this sort of frustration that I mentioned of like, damn, things suck in the city. How do we make it better? And we know that we have to think outside the box and we have to prototype things. Mm -hmm. And so um, street vendors, our clients, uh, the residents that we work with oftentimes help us prototype. They help us think, see things that we don't see. Mm -hmm. Okay, very cool. Well, um, our listeners cannot tell, but I can look at you and you're obviously a very young man. So tell me more about Rudy the person. Like, how is it that you, you, you're leading this organization um, and, and your background? And why are you so passionate about this issue in, in, in Los Angeles? Um, thank you. I'm not. <laughs> I, I feel old on the inside. But um, well, you've been an executive director of a nonprofit that ages you like an extra 10. See, so. <laughs> see exactly. That's true. Um, uh, wow. I was born in East L.A. and I grew up in West Covina which mm-hmm. is a suburb of, uh, of, uh, of L.A., in L.A. County. And um, uh, I think that what drives my work is the way that I grew up and sort of my family. You know, my mom uh, crossed the border when she was 18. She was an undocumented immigrant, and um, she met my father here. Uh, they got married. Uh, they met in an English class. And, oh, I uh, love that. Yeah, I know. Well, it turns out that it wasn't such a good relationship, though, because my dad, uh, there was a lot of issues mm-hmm. in my household. And um, my father was... Um, a man that uh, dealt with a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was an alcoholic, he was abusive. I grew up in a household that had a lot of violence. Mm -hmm. And my mom, being a woman that was undocumented, that didn't know how to speak English that well, had a third grade education, had to figure out how to take care of me and my brother by herself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, she worked really hard. She's a waitress and she figured it out. Um, And I think that sort of the experience of of living that way has drove me to figure out how do I, I, I started to see the connection that actually there's a lot of people that, that have mm-hmm. similar experiences mm-hmm. or worse experiences, and it's not right all the time. Right. <laughs> like, it's not just. Mm-hmm. And I remember sort of seeing, um, even though I grew up in an area that was, um, it was a suburb, you know, it wasn't as bad as other neighborhoods that I work in now, there was still divides, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't live in a single-family home. I lived in a re- in an apartment building, one of the few apartment buildings in West Covina, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, like, dude, like, why do, you know, why does my mom drive that type of car, and, you know, everybody, you know, everybody else's parents have, like, a Honda Accord and a Toyota Camry, and mm-hmm. they, they don't dress in a uniform like my mom does, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I remember feeling, like, the difference. And it wasn't until I went to school and to college that I started to sort of make the connection to our community and, the, and these bigger issues that were impacting all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to, I studied business in undergrad because I wanted to make money. My mom mm-hmm. was always like, you got to go to school, make money. And I had a vision that I was going to be filthy rich by 21 when mm-hmm. I graduated from college. That didn't work out quite right. <laughs> and then, um, but halfway through, I was politicized. Mm-hmm. I took an ethnic studies course and it changed my life. Yeah. And What uh, was this? Uh, UC Riverside. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ironically, I went from, I wanted to make a ton of cash, and then I took this random ethnic studies class that, like, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, dude, this is me. So many people, I'm sure, can relate to that experience yeah, that dude, are listening. It, it changed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I remember that the course, ironically, was taught by a white guy, Dr. Lowy, and uh, he had he did an amazing job of introducing us to all the major civil rights movements. One of them went to the Chicano Civil Rights Movement. And I was always such an admirer of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, but I was like, I'm not black. Like, I don't, how do I relate to that? I love these guys, but like, how do I fit in? I'm mm-hmm. Mexican. Mm-hmm. But then when I saw like Cesar Chavez and Tijerina and all these heroes of our, of our community, I was like, they look like me. No shit. They're like hanging out with those black heroes that mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. And after that, Brenda, you, if you look at my transcripts from college, I was like a C student in business. Mm-hmm. 
And I hated my business class. I just was like, what is? And I took this ethnic studies class, and then I was just straight A's. That's awesome. And part of it was because I was like, it's not about me. It's, mm-hmm. it's about all of us and how do we work together. That larger impact. Yeah. So fast forward, I went to, after that, I went to urban planning school because I didn't want to go work for the man with a business ma- a degree. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I was interested in cities and how do you build strong communities. I went to UCLA and then that changed my life again because I started to realize how it was all connected, how we needed to think about economic development in a different way. Mm-hmm. And um, I met some great people. And uh, then I kind of went on this path you know, if, uh, I w- was working at a firm that was working with big banks, and mm-hmm. that was kind of tough and frustrating at times trying to figure out how to work with these big banks to do good work. I went to go work at a couple nonprofits, and then I, I came to Learn. And Learn was an organization that I co-founded with some friends. That's great. I did not know that. Yeah, I co-founded with some friends. I was uh, I was serendipitous how I met a couple of the board, now my board. and um, That's exciting. And how I, cool. We were, it was a volunteer. I used to call my book club. Mm-hmm. And we used to do cool things and do silly things like survey street vendors on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and then now... Um, it's been a little over four years that wow. I, I decided to sort of jump ship and figure out if we could build an organization. You know, that's amazing! Wow, yeah. and no gray hairs. I'm Not so yet. impressed. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really cool, and I really appreciate you sharing that background with us because I think it 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 um, a lot of people I'm sure can connect to it and relate to it, mm-hmm. and it's so great to hopefully expose some our from some of our listeners to this great field of work, community development, and investing in the assets that are that our community is rich in Mm -hmm. and helping them navigate and tap resources that are rightfully theirs. Mm -hmm. So I think it's great work and hopefully um, our listeners uh, are are interested in getting involved in this campaign and learning more about similar efforts. Where can people learn more about LEARN? Uh, You could go on our Facebook page, which I think if you just type in L-U-R-N, our acronym, you'll you'll find it. Um, Mm -hmm. Or you can go to our website, which is www.lurnetwork.com. Dot org. Oh, okay, Learn that's, that's a lot one. Say, know, say that again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I'll put it in the notes. But. Yeah, sure. It's L-U-R and then the word network.org. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. L-U-R Okay. Um, I did warn you that we always ask our guests the same three questions at the end of our interview. So the first question is very easy. You know, Latinos and especially street vendors are the, are the reason why we have access to these things. We have amazing snacks. We eat amazing things. What is your favorite snack? You know what? I think it's probably, this is the pocho side of me for sure. <laughs> but my favorite snack when I'm like, I'm, I am have a sweet tooth. So my favorite snack has always been red vines. Oh, you yeah. Know? So like, it's, I, I'm trying to cut down. But red vines. Yeah, They're yeah, definitely totally. better than licorice. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, we won't hold that against you. <laughs> and then the next question, and this one's really fun. So if you had a chancla, like a virtual chancla that you could throw at a person, place, thing, concept, who gets your chancla? You know what? This year, uh, what I've been marinating a lot at work has been um, capitalism, mm, Brenda. And I think one. that uh, it's a big one. But I, I'm sort of seeing how um, our system is really, really broken. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even folks that are trying to do good work um, are really are really sort of just doing very intermittent. They don't want us to win. You know? The system's not set up for It's not set up to win. It's mm-hmm. not set up for us. Right. And I'm realizing it even more and more as I'm doing this work and trying to build our loan fund. And it's like, dude, it isn't like we're not, you know, are we making an impact? And I'm always asking uh, myself that and mm-hmm. my team that. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, it's like um, it's capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's our, our whole country is built off of um, making money. 
Yeah. And and um and they say, oh, you know, we're trying to add value, and how are we going to add value to shareholders? But value is is essentially money. It's mm-hmm. not even people. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the assets in our neighborhoods. Uh, our system is is um is structured in a way that doesn't see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They say, oh, well, where's the money at? Yeah. They, it's like they go over all the people, which are the real assets. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I had a chancla, I would totally throw it at that. that capitalism, and, well, to, I But know, I would agree with you. You know, like, well, I think I think all of us have to start thinking about it in a different mm-hmm. way and not be afraid to say, hey, something's wrong here. Yeah, this is not adding up. Yeah, and, and the only reason why our country is, uh, quote unquote, like one of the most wealthiest countries is because it was built off of people's backs. Right. Literally. Free. Literally. Yeah. Literally. And, um, it's not right, and mm-hmm. it's not going to last. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, it's not so. It's not sustaining. Well, on a, li- on Sorry, a lighter note, <laughs> <laughs> what, what what would be your telenovela name? It could be the telenovela of your life, or your ten- telenovela character. You know what? My um, it's funny because my real name is Rudolph. Okay. Um, but um, and I think it's some kind of like a hospital thing happened because my mom can't pronounce Rudolph. So <laughs> Rodolfo, so, maybe. So Rodolfo. So I think my <laughs> telenovela name would probably be Rodolfo. I'll just keep it real, like that's my Rodolfo. name. But my mom only called me. She called me Rudy. But when she's mad, she called me Rodolfo. Uh huh. And there's no Rudolph. There's no Rudolph. Mm-hmm. She can't pronounce Rudolph well. And um. I think that my telenovela character would be a very strong Rodolfo that's very dramatic. I love know? it, Rodolfo. Yeah, totally. Throwing chanclas at yeah, capitalism. Yeah, totally. This is great. Well, thank you so much for stopping by Tamarindo Podcast. Um, and folks can listen to this and other episodes at tamarindopodcast.com. Don't forget to write us a review. And don't forget to use the hashtag support brown podcast when you tell people about Tamarindo Podcast. Thank you so much, Rudy. Thank you. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.